0: So today we're concluding our message series on the book of Ruth. It's called Rescued. And if you missed any of the messages, you can watch them online on our website. And it has the notes. Uh, The notes that are in the bulletin are there. If you ever miss a service, uh, everything is there for you or to even to invite somebody else to watch. And uh, that's all there. So our message today is entitled Part of the Plan." And we're going to see how God's plan for the lives of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, the three main characters in the book of Ruth, it was part of a much bigger plan for the nation of Israel and indeed, as we'll see today, for the very world. And so to better understand the book of Ruth, I want to ask the question and answer it, what, what is God's plan for mankind? We're going to look at it the great grand plan here before we zero in on the last part of the book of Ruth. So God has always existed. God is eternal. God is, God is infinite. He's one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, when you think about God, try to wrap your mind around him, it just blows your mind. You really can't conceive of a of a being who's infinite, who is timeless, who has no beginning, who has no end. We We don't really understand that. But this eternal God chose to create the universe simply by speaking his word. And as he spoke, the entire universe came into existence. And into that universe, God created the planet Earth, the planet on which then he created mankind to live in his image. Mankind, you and I are not infinite. We are finite human beings. We're, we're never going to be infinite. We're never going to become God as some false religions teach Genesis 126 God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens over the livestock over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and so God created man he created you and I in his image in the very image of God and we're not going to go into what that all means but we are like God in many ways but we are not God God created man to live in a relationship with him. A relationship that would last forever. An eternal relationship. That's why he created you and I. So that he could have a relationship with us. And God created man with the capacity for eternal life. That is life without end. Now we had a beginning. But when you have eternal life. It's it's life without any end. It's life that goes on and on forever. However. In that beautiful Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were tempted and they gave in to sin. And they disobeyed God. And thereby they lost that eternal life that God wanted them to have. And they became subject to death. Romans 5.12 tells us about that. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, really speaking of Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And so God's plan for eternal life for mankind hit a speed bump. And every man was then subject to death. And so during the period of the Old Testament, people of faith look forward, look to the future for a Messiah who would one day come and allow their sins to be forgiven. And so restore that relationship with God. And so that is the time period in which the book of Ruth was, took place. And so Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz were looking forward in some way. We don't know exactly how much they conceived of it, but they were looking forward in some way to this coming Messiah, the coming Redeemer, the one who would redeem them from their sins and set them free with eternal life. And so their lives, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, were part of God's plan to bring the Messiah, to bring the Redeemer, and we're going to see that today. And so the Messiah, the that the people of faith in the Old Testament were looking for was Jesus. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish, speaking of eternal death, but have eternal life. And so those who believe in Jesus, the great Redeemer, have their sins forgiven. They're no longer going to perish in hell Forever, eternal death, apart from God. But they're going to have eternal life. Eternal life begins when you believe in Jesus Christ, and it lasts forever. Now, there's something to meditate on. What is eternal life? A life that goes on without end. A life with God forever, time without end. I shouldn't go on this rabbit trail, but the Bible does not, does not teach that time is going to end. Time is going to continue. We're finite beings. It's just going to never end. And so what about us? Jesus' first coming is in the past. It happened 2,000 years ago. So what is our role in God's plan? Well, the next and ultimate phase in God's plan for mankind is what? It's the second coming of Jesus. Jesus promised after he ascended into heaven that he's going to come back again. And that is the event that's going to transform this world. When Jesus comes again, all sin and evil will be dealt with. Uh, Unbelievers will be consigned to hell. And so in the Lord's Prayer, we pray for Jesus to come again. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's only going to be done completely when Jesus comes again. And at that second coming, there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And in those new heavens and earth, heaven will merge with earth and that's where we're going to spend eternity with God all sin evil and unbelievers will be removed from God's kingdom the righteous believers will have eternal life and they're going to live with God forever throughout eternity and so as believers you and I are part of God's plan to bring Jesus back to this earth and so our lives have eternal consequences And one day, we're going to see all believers of all time and eternity. And that will include believers from the Old Testament, such as Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. And we're going to celebrate each of our parts in God's great plan. So having set that grand framework, let's now return to the last part of chapter 4 of Ruth to see how the story concludes. Following God's plan is going to bring blessing into their lives. We've seen how Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz have been following God's plan. They've been faithful to God. They've been faithful to one another. They've demonstrated God's love in their lives and their relationships. And the book concludes by showing the blessing that God has brought into their lives. God then gives a son to Boaz and Ruth, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Now, you remember that Ruth had been married to Naomi's son for ten years in Moab before he died, and yet they had no children. But she was barren. Now, being married for ten years with no children when obviously they were trying to have children means there's a problem, right? And here we see that God supernaturally allowed Ruth to conceive And her first child was a son, even though now she was 10 plus years older and Boaz was older still. But God moved upon her womb and allowed this son to be conceived, and that son would be a great blessing to Ruth, to Boaz, to Naomi, as well as others, as we'll see. And so not only did God bless Ruth and Boaz, he blessed Naomi. Verse 14, then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, that's Ruth, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And so at the beginning of our story, you recall Naomi returned from Moab she just lost her husband. She'd lost both sons. They'd, all three had died. She was bitter. She, was, she said she's empty. I mean, everything had been taken from her. She had no family left except for her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And now all had changed. God had blessed Naomi through the birth of Ruth and Boaz's son. And so the women of Bethlehem here are, are praising God for what he has done in Naomi's life that he has given her a redeemer in the form of this boy. The women praise God that this boy would restore the life of Naomi to fullness, that she'd have something to live for, that he would care for her in her old age because she had no husband to care for her. And so the women women praise God for the love of Ruth towards Naomi. And Ruth undoubtedly has entrusted her grandmother with a great part in raising the boy. God had blessed Naomi far beyond what she could have imagined just a year ago when they came back from Moab. And now the blessing of God had come into her life. God also blessed Israel. Verse 17, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And so the new baby boy was named Obed, even though the true mother was Ruth, everybody knew that, They jokingly said, this is Naomi's son. I mean, she she had nothing, and now she has a grandbaby to care for. And then we see in verse 17 that this Obed was not just anybody. All of a sudden, we see that he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Of course, this was written after David was king, the great king. This story was written down. And so Obed was the grandfather of the greatest king in Israel of all time, King David. The same David who wrote the Psalms, the David who ruled over the the United Kingdom of Israel. And so not only was this son of Ruth and Boaz a blessing to those three, in coming generations he and his offspring would be a blessing to the entire nation of Israel. And they had a part in that plan of God. Now let's think about our own lives and God's plan for our lives. The essence of sin, what sin really is, is following our own plans rather than God's plan for our lives. And it's very easy to slip into that. Of course, that's what unbelievers do. They don't even understand God has a plan for their lives. And so they just follow what they want to do. And even as believers, we can fall into doing what we want to do rather than following what God calls us to do. God's plan for our lives. And yet the story of Ruth teaches us that when we follow God's plan, the blessing comes into our lives, but not only our lives. The blessing comes to our families. The blessing comes to our children and our children's children. The blessing will impact the places where we live. It will impact our cities, our nation. In fact, the blessing will ultimately impact eternity. And so the choices that we make in life, whether to follow God's plan for our lives, whether to seek to understand God's plan, we have to understand it first before we can follow it, have eternal consequences. Our choices in life have very great importance. The right choices that we make to follow God's plan bring blessing, and wrong choices to follow our own plans have the opposite negative effects. Wrong choices are sin negatively impacts our families, negatively impacts our children, negatively impacts our children's children and our societies as, as well. And so let's ask God to help us to discern his plan for our lives and how we can follow that plan and make the right choices. So now let's see how the godly choices that were made by the people in the book of Ruth had long-term impact. Well, following God's plan really brought Jesus As we said before, the Old Testament believers were looking forward to a coming Messiah whom we know as Jesus. And the amazing twist right at the end of this story of Ruth is that Boaz was the grandfather of King David, the greatest king in Israel's history. And therefore, we know now that God brought brought Jesus from Boaz's line. The very first book in the Gospel of Matthew, the first gospel in the New Testament, says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so Jesus Christ came from the line of David, whose grandfather was Boaz. Now, you can read the whole genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. I'm not going to go through it today. But God was working sovereignly behind the scenes in the story of Ruth to bring about his purposes through Jesus Christ. And you think about, you know, the what ifs. What if Ruth had not converted from being a Moabite idol worshiper to becoming a true believer and follower of God? There would have been no David, no line of believers to Jesus Christ. And so God worked behind the scenes and people followed his plan for their lives. In the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1, we see that God uses unlikely people. And it's a long genealogy. I just want to focus our comments. There are four women in the genealogy. I would say unlikely women. The first woman listed in the genealogy is Tamar. Tamar was already mentioned in the book of Ruth. Tamar had two husbands who died. God judged them. They were evil, wicked men. She was a widow twice over. They died under God's judgment. Her father-in-law Judah refused to offer her son, his son to her in marriage as was required by the Old Testament law. And so Tamar used trickery to become pregnant via Judah and bore twins, one of whom was Perez, who was in Jesus' genealogy, an unlikely person that God used. Rahab was a pagan prostitute in the fortress city of Jericho. She was the one who hid the Israeli spies, because she believed in the one true God. And when Israel came in and conquered Jericho, they rescued Rahab in her family. Her life was spared. And another amazing list, twist in the story, she is listed in Matthew as being the mother of Boaz. Finally, Bathsheba, well, of course, Ruth was mentioned there. She was the Moabite idol worshiper. She became a believer in the Lord. She was blessed with a son from Boaz, which is in the line of Jesus Christ. And finally, Bathsheba is mentioned. Bathsheba was the woman that King David committed adultery with. And then he murdered her husband. And Bathsheba's first child died, and the second child was Solomon, who was in, again, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Again, all of these women who say, boy, they had a lot of problems. A lot of things went wrong, and they're very unlikely. But yet, God used them. And he used their children. Born in unlikely, not so great circumstances to further his plan. And so what's our take-home lesson from this today? No matter what your past has been, God wants to use you for incredible things. Don't write yourself off. Don't write anybody off. No matter how bad their upbringing, no matter what they've gone through, God wants to save them, to use them to change their world. The children of the women in Jesus' genealogy, they could have been ashamed of their mother's past, and yet God used each of them as well. And so no matter what your past or family was like, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And God's plan is not just to bless you. It is to bless you, but not just to bless you. It's to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And so God blessed these people in the genealogy of Jesus Christ so that he could use them to bring great blessing into the world. And so the obedience of unlikely people brought the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the first time. And following God's plan will bring Jesus again. And so we began this message by by looking at God's grand plan for mankind. The fulfillment of God's plan will be believers having eternal life, living with God forever in a renewed heaven and earth. And this final part of God's plan will only happen when Jesus returns to to this earth as he promised to do. And so what is God waiting for? You know, it's been over 2,000 years since he ascended into heaven and said he'll return in the same way. Why hasn't he returned yet? Well, God is waiting for what? He's waiting for more people to be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And so as you read the context in this chapter in 2 Peter, you see that some people are saying, hey, nothing has changed for thousands of years. We don't believe it's ever going to change. History is just going to keep on and on. Why should we believe that Jesus is going to return again? And, of course, it goes into the example of the flood. People thought nothing was ever going to happen, and God sent the flood and destroyed the world the first time. And here it says that God is not slow with regard to the promise that Jesus is going to return. Jesus is going to return. The reason that Jesus has not returned yet is that God is patiently waiting for more people to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus hasn't returned yet. The the family of God, God's family of children, is not yet complete. If Jesus was to return prematurely, then some who would have repented are going to perish. Some that God wanted to be his children. And they'll not become part of God's family. So at some point in time in history, a point that we cannot fathom is that God's family will be complete the last person will be, have repented and Jesus will return. So what is our role in Jesus return? Well, we can help bring Jesus back by witnessings. 2 Peter 3:11 and 12 are two amazing verses. It says since all these things are thus to be dissolved, speaking of the cataclysmic return of Christ in the Dissolution of our entire universe as we know it. Transformation of it into something completely new and different with no effects of sin. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for and hastening, underline or circle that word hastening, an amazing word. Hastening the coming of the day of God. Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. And so the return of Christ will be a cataclysmic event that ends history as we know it. I mean, we are not going to be here till the sun burns out. The world is not going to be destroyed by nuclear bombs. Jesus is going to return to wrap up history. And Christ's return will bring, it with, will bring with it judgment and a transformation of the universe. It's all sin, the effects of the fall and evil are removed. And what is our part in all of this? Since we know the end of the story, we ought to live out God's plan for our lives in godliness and holiness. We are to be waiting for Jesus' return, waiting for and hastening that day. And so these verses tell us that you and I can do something to bring Jesus' return closer in time. So what can we do to hasten Jesus' return. Well, let's remember, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? Because he's waiting for more people to be saved. And so logically, we hasten Jesus' return by by witnessing and seeing more people saved, by doing our part to see God's family be made complete. And so what you and I do in this life has eternal impact. Each of us has only so many Days, so many years allotted to us. God knows. Of course, everybody thinks they're going to live forever, right? But God has a time span for each of us. And God has a plan for every day of your life. Not just Sundays. For every day of your life. And as you seek Him to discover and live out that plan, wonderful things happen each and every day. A church is intended to equip And motivate you to help bring Jesus back again. We're not just to be an entertainment center or a social gathering place. We are to equip you to fulfill God's plan for your life. And so some important questions to think about as we think about our part to play in God's grand plan of bringing Jesus back again is, Who are you? praying for to be saved? Who in your life do you know who's not saved and who are you praying for that they would be saved and become part of God's family? How are you spreading God's truth to those that you know? Are you being a bold, courageous witness or are you hiding God's truth? Who are you working to invite to hear God's truth? And as we work together as witnesses, we're part of God's Plan. And so the book of Ruth is a, it's really a very encouraging book. It shows us God at work behind the scenes, behind the difficulties in life. And in that book, God shows us people who lived out lives of showing his love to others in their lives, of being faithful to God in the midst of a time when most people were following their own ideas. And not following God at all. God doesn't hide his plan from the people in the book of Ruth. But he guides them every step along the way. And God wants to guide you as well in his plan for your life. He's not trying to hide his plan from you. He wants to reveal it to you. Now God's not going to reveal the entire plan from now till the day you go to heaven. But he's going to show you the next step. He wants to show you the next step. He is showing you the next step if you have eyes to perceive it. And God wants to guide our church family to reach more and more people for Jesus as well. And so I'm going to encourage you. We're going to do it uh, later in the service towards the end. But remember this week to pray for our mega sports camp, VBS. It's a great outreach. And God's going to touch lives, the lives of children and their families as well through it. And let's pray that that has a great impact. For eternity. Now the first step in God's plan for, for any person is that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That they put their faith and trust in him because that's how you receive eternal life. Without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you do not have eternal life. You will not spend eternity with Jesus Christ. You will not spend eternity with God. And so the first step. To become a believer, God's plan for your life is to admit that you've sinned, that you've been following your own plans for your life rather than God's. Secondly, to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven, that you might begin to follow God's plans for your life. And Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. So we commit our lives to following him as our Lord and Savior. So let's bow our heads right now. And you might not believe this, but just about every Sunday, there's people here who have not yet committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And so let's pray together. And If you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to him, I encourage you to pray along with me. Say something like this, Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my own plan for my life. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross, paid the price for my sin, that I might receive eternal life. I commit my life to following him. I believe he's alive, raised from the dead, following him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.